Thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs, the podcast. My name is James. I'm Brian. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to spotlight a store. So hopefully when I can get back to traveling, I can journey throughout the country and visit several friendly local game stores out there and see how they do it. Because I think when you play many miniature war games, what are the ways you think about going? It's like, I'm going to make my own game. I'm going to make my own miniatures. I open my own store. So in this one, we're going to talk about uh, running a store. But first, let's talk about what we've been working on. Brian, what have you had on your hobby table? Well, not miniature-wise, because kind of already done out of the package, which is nice. Um, I recently got a couple of these Mario Kart... Uh, Hot Wheels, and what I'm going to be using them in is uh, Gaslands. I have a, there's a lot of different rule sets out there for how to play Mario Kart with Gaslands, Um, but I have my, I've been working on my own rule set and everything to play that, so I've been working on that for a while now, and I finally, you know, got all the cars and made all the tokens and now I'm working on finishing the rules and everything. So yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I cut out like little tur- uh, the turtle shells, the, all the different power ups um, on your, on the racetrack, you can hit the mystery boxes and depending on what place you're at, you roll on a chart and that determines what you get out of the box um, and then each one has different rules and like you could throw the, the green shell uh, one medium uh, length away from you, straight line, um, any line you choose. And then the red one hits the person right in front of you. The blue one, of course, goes to first place. And, you know, I had to change the, cr- the, the wrecking rules um, because there's no like you don't really crash in the game so you know just change it to where you spin out and then you have to wait another turn until you go so yeah just been running around making the you know making the different rules changing the rules of gaslands but you know keeping the core game intact for that so it's not something i will say is that there's a knockoff mario kart game called garfield kart and i actually like that better than mario kart i think it had I like the way the cards handle better and some of the other features there. So when you hit someone, you just don't stop dead on the track and have to restart. And you can actually stick your cards to someone. So you can, oh, that's get, cool. up, you can get up on their bumper. And then there's actually the physics of like the car in front of you can actually steer you. Or like if you're pushing, you can steer them. So it's got a lot more subtle control than Mario Kart. I was kind of surprised. Now, since it's a cheaper game, it doesn't have as many tracks and levels and characters and everything. Of course. I like yeah. it better. But uh, so on my table, I have been going through the Pariah Nexus box. So I've got all the Space Marines sides um, assembled. I've got everything assembled, even the terrain. And that is a ton of terrain there. We actually, the two sprues, a little Necron, their versions of uh, crates. There's mm-hmm. a lot of those. So that is one where I'm glad I have um, colored primer. So I have blue for the ultramarines. I've got uh, the lead belcher 
for the uh, Sotek dynasty for the Necrons. Yep. <laughs> and I have, I have a like a 15 year old can of um, Goblin Green. So it's got it's the still old, going. Well, yeah, it's got the old, um, the really old logo of like a little squig like creature yep. on on the front. So I was out there spraying that, and you realize like how junky their old cans were but it had the color i wanted <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was just i was out there spraying it hoping that like the can would last me <laughs> through all my old uh Jeez, yeah that, that can does not exist anymore and good luck no. getting another one for less so, than a hundred dollars uh, well you know it's like i'm never going to use this color in anything else this seems to match but i just i started spraying it and it's like Oh man, I hope this holds out so I don't have to match the color. <laughs> but while while I was out there, I was in my garage and like I have these cabinets and I have these shelves there of like stuff to be primed. And I know early on in this podcast, I talked about my necromantic terrain for Dark Uprising. Mm-hmm. So I found the rest of it. <laughs> so oh, nice. <laughs> I I ran out of apparently when I was working, I ran out of primer at one point. So going through my cabinets, I found I found the rest of the terrain. So I thought I really gutted through that dark uprising terrain until I opened the cabinet and said, Oh wait, here's some more. <laughs> oh, there's more. I've gotta, That's why I've got to do so that fast. all over again. <laughs> 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 time to time to start at the beginning. But uh, you're not done until the box tells you you're done. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, I've got well, I changed around office spaces. So um, where I work on miniatures, they're all consolidated in one room. So the part aspect of bringing everything into one room i can actually see what's half done so one of these points i'm just going to have to go through and cut through all the half done projects so i can get them down yeah the display cabinets where there's more room uh, <laughs> but so one of the, i think that's enough for the hobby desert so let's do our product spotlight and so this is something you haven't shown or told me about yet but what did you want to spot um yeah so there's this game uh, my friend gave it to me. It was part of a, a Kickstarter that I missed for some reason. I think I saw it, but I never kicked it. It's something that I would have uh, if I knew what it was. Um, but it's called uh, Space Weirdos. It's a play on the 40k kill team system. Um, uses a lot of the same rules and uh, rule sets but really cleans it up, makes it easier to expand to a lot of other things because it is a zine. So it's very small, very light. It's like 26 pages. And it centers on, you know, being able to use whatever miniatures you want, but with kill team rules. Uh, So instead of, you know, with it's the basic kill team rules, uh, dumbed down a little bit to make it a little, simpler less rules because let's be honest kill team has a lot of weird rolls and you roll a lot of dice um and it has a lot of weird rules that you know transfer over from uh, eighth edition into the kill team and um, made it a little clunky uh, so this one really cleans it up really makes it a lot easier to read a lot easier to play um from what i've seen i haven't played it yet um but I'm excited to run it a couple times. Um, haven't really gotten a chance to um, 
think about it too much just because I, I haven't played in a while uh, anything. Um, but the fact that it uses open miniatures means that every miniature I have, kill team, all my kill team miniatures, good for it. All my uh, space stuff, good for it. All my sci-fi figurines, really good. So um, it's just one another, just another game to add to the pile of uh, really good knockoff games that you can play quickly. So does it exist in physical format or is it a PDF? Um, they, you, you were able to get it printed if you kickstarted it. Um, but now you can get it print on demand or, um, just print it yourself. Is it, um, War Games Vault? Yes. Yeah. You okay. can definitely get it on War Games Vault. Yep. I think it's like $5 or pay what you want. So, you know, that that's the best way to buy, uh, rules and miniatures, STLs and PDFs. You can buy yep. as many and no one can ever see them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you could own twenty thousand uh stls and you know no one has to see them yeah uh well i think you bring uh something good up here you haven't played in a while and so one of the things we wanted to talk about is um you know want to spotlight the store so for anyone listens we keep on saying etten so this is etten games in albuquerque new mexico corner of manal and wyoming uh, so so technically, our name is actually Etten Games Albuquerque. Yeah, so um, we have to differentiate ourselves because there is another Etten Games in Houston. Um, we are related, as so like you know, cousins that live in different states. You know, we know about each other. Um, we definitely have the same name, um, but between that, that's where everything stops. So well, we are two separate stores, but with the same name. So you're not the store owner, but Sean, so I Sean am, is. Yes. Um, he worked at Etten Games Houston. I actually don't know if he worked there. He, he was a <laughs> frequent uh, patron there, for sure. Um, I think the only game store he worked at was Active Imagination. Which is near... While. Which is nearby. Which is in so, Albuquerque, yeah, that, yeah. That's the that's the other big store in town. Um, but yeah, no, I pretty much run the day-to-day activities in the store. Um, I'm there four out of five days that we're open. Um, once we're open more, I'll probably be there more, as usual. Um, I do some of the, half of the ordering. Uh, so I, I would say I call myself the manager, although that's not my <laughs> official title. I don't have an official title or anything. There's only two people that work there. Um, so we don't really have titles, but I would say both the people that work there are managers because we do everything. Now, before COVID, there were more people that worked there. We had three. And then because of COVID and loss of hours and loss of space to play and people coming in, we had to let somebody go. Um, there were definitely some things that we had to cut at the beginning to make sure that we survived that initial shutdown and everything. Um, but hey, now we're discussing about hiring somebody else. So it's getting to that point where we're back on our feet and things are looking up. So let me, so let's look at pre COVID. So what would you say the size of the store is? Like, um, what's the square footage? 
and how much is dedicated to retail and how much is the gaming area? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good with square footage and <laughs> estimating that at all. I'm going to say something and is going to be completely off. All right. All right so let, let's think about it this way. Um, how, how many six by four tables can you handle at one time? How many six by four tables? Yeah, I going to do full battle rattle in there. Pre-COVID. So, you know, no six foot, you know, cram them in. Um, I would say we've had... 10 that's tight that is that is very very tight that is using all of our space um pre-covid though we had to find this balance because we became very popular very quickly uh we've only been open for three years now but two years in and every single night we were running out of space so we kind of had to stop buying stuff to put on the shelf because that had to stop expanding we had to cut the room for that in order to allow more people in um otherwise we were just going to grow too fast and we wouldn't have room for anything um so look well let me ask you how many people can you fit in on an adventure league night because i've been there on on an al night and that is one where like the fire marshal should not walk into that no that was close to 60 to 70 people depending on the night i mean there were nights where there were six tables with like 10 people at them so yeah that'd be it was close to 60 70 people um which is insane it's that that building doesn't support that many people it does but not in a way that is comfortable well let us let's assume that when we say people we should assume that it's kind of like infinity. There are certain size cylinders of models and some models take up more space than other models. So when you say 60 D&D players, that is a lot of space that's being consumed just circumferentially. Yeah. Well, and then other people had like brought their kids. So like at a table, that- it'd be like six adults and like three kids. Um, so, I mean, there was just, there was just a lot of people. I mean, every single night, it wasn't just D and D nights. It was our regular, uh, open play nights. It was our paint nights. It was our RP, uh, random RPG nights. Every single night, every single table was taken. So it was just this point where, you know, we were outgrowing our space so fast that we were looking, we had to move in order to accommodate everything. Um, because people were leaving because we re- were running out of space. People were going to other spaces, um, opening other spaces because there was no space here. Well, I think that's the part is when you see all the tables filled, it's not like they're all sitting there quietly. Like there's also people shopping and milling about and like some of the retail space and the gaming space started to blend together just through like, the uh, unwashed masses of humanity <laughs> mingling because you yeah, have all the sodas. The sodas are up front. <laughs> yeah. The game. Exactly. The so back. you have people like coming into shop and then people coming into like meet people. So, I mean, and we had to move people like in order to make our space as cohesive as possible and fit as many people as we can. We had to move a lot of stuff and people were playing in the, the shopping area 
and like the retail and the play area were mixed. It was just our, our we didn't expect to become this popular this fast. Yeah. So let's look at um, what do you guys sell there? So I mentioned the sodas and the chips are up front. Those are your high margin items. That's where that's where you make your money. <laughs> Uh, that, that is the non-pandemic makers yes yeah before we had a lot of like snacks i mean we ran the gamut from everything from like pistachios to string cheese to you know your basic chips and everything like that candy bars um nothing fancy we had drinks we had sodas the you know the usual fare that you'll find at any and established yes um and a keurig you know you gotta have coffee um but one thing I'll, I'll say that I've been to stores, the thing you guys didn't have was a microwave. So no burritos. So there no, have been we had no microwave. And everyone that works there is pretty much in agreement that a microwave would be horrible in that space. See, the problem is the space is big enough that we can host a lot of stuff. Um, but it's small enough that if you pack it tightly the airflow doesn't get flowing and uh the, it goes the air gets a little stagnant and you know people's uh smells start to mingle and uh create new smells and then you throw an over microwaved burrito or hey somebody brings in their uh their fish meal from two days ago you know you get this bad, bad smell. And, you so, know, well, there's already a stigma around <laughs> game shops and uh, stuff like that. So we want to we want to minimize that as much as possible. Um, and we have gotten, you know, people saying that we are one of the best smelling game stores in town. Other than the nights where, you know, there's there's 60 people packed in and, you know, you just can't stop it because it's it's 60 people in a space they're all like talking and moving and so it's just that's just something that is going to happen if you've ever been to any convention it's going to happen well you know that's the nice thing about nova since it's stacked around a central like atrium that flows up it does vent out pretty well there but i know so the microwave the issue is is like you heat stuff in it so someone's always bringing a burrito or a fish now people can bring outside food in. And so there's mm -hmm. that there's a Thai place next door and Twisters, which for people who are so far UK or New York audience, um, Twisters Burritos. is like burrito and hamburgers and like it's a, a local fast food chain. Yeah, it's a local fast food chain. Um, but so you can bring in outside food, but you know, it's a microwave that heats an aerosol aerosolizes it, the particles and just sends it everywhere and no one no one cleans the microwave at any game shop so it's like nope. a constant lingering smell <laughs> and see that's just something else extra that we have to do on top of cleaning the bathrooms cleaning the floors then we have to clean the the that and you know we want to be we, we we pride ourselves on being cleanly and inviting and throwing something where you cook food, which is going to get nasty, it's going to get dirty. It just it happens. It's, it's food. Um, we just don't want it. You know, that's we just we just said no. So the one thing I'll appreciate about uh, Ed, and so 
we'll get to the gaming stuff, but three bathrooms. Because there's yeah. a small second floor, there's a bathroom up there, and there's two bathrooms on the main floor. So I, I used to run a cafe for Borders Books, and the number one complaint I'd get from customers is like, because my cafe was next to the bathroom, was the bathrooms. Because, you know, um, not a, where I worked, it wasn't a big problem with Albuquerque, but homeless people coming through and like using the bathrooms and then for whatever they needed and then moving on out. They weren't the tidiest after the morning shift came through and cleaned them. So it's like having multiple bathrooms is very helpful. Prevents lines from stacking. <laughs> if one bathroom goes down, there's two more backup bathrooms. Well, it's the little I mean, things that count. It, it is. It really is. And like the, the three bathrooms is absolutely amazing. Um, I'll never love clean, cleaning up bathrooms, um, especially after well, after anybody. I've never worked anywhere where there's been a clean bathroom. Um, everybody says nerds are dirty. No, people are dirty. It's just <laughs> what we do. Um, but it does. It separates it. They, they stay cleaner longer. Um it's nice if one's taken, you can just go to the back one. Oh, if that's taken, just go upstairs. Or if there's a private group upstairs and, you know, they don't mind hearing each other use the restroom because it is right there. And the door isn't that, you know, it's not a soundproof room. So, you know, if, if they're comfortable with everyone, you know, they can have that. They don't even have to see anyone from downstairs ever. And it's really nice because, you know, they get to feel like they're separated from everybody. Um, so three bathrooms is very nice. Um, and I do oh. like to keep them cleaned because I'm not going to mention the store, but there's a, a store in Albuquerque that their bathroom is notorious for their booger walls. And if you go in the bathroom, like, uh, the, the, the bathroom doesn't exist anymore, but I mean, there was just like on the wall, like at hand level when you're sitting, there's boogers all over it. And we're just, no, I don't want that. I want clean bathrooms. That's a, well, that's a key like concept to Etten is cleanliness. Let's well, so I think where we wanted to go with the, the spotlighting of stores, like there's many things that go into a store before you even get to the games. So it's like, how are you going to get people in there and keep them in there and then take care of them while you're in there? So, because in the United States, we don't have the game culture, the game club culture of, you know, going to like the basement of the church hall um, or whatever the British version of like a VFW is. There's yeah. no like, we got together as a group of people. So this is a business. So you're trying to sell product to justify square footage to get people to come in and play a game. And if you're gonna have many people in there, you've gotta be able to handle that people. Um, and when you bring new people in, you can't like to drop off their kids or come play. You can't discuss their spouses. <laughs> so, but let, let's talk about more about like what you have there. So like when you go in the store, there's um, the snacks. All right. That's that's your um, big money maker. There's the games workshop section. There's the board games and there's D&D. So role playing games. How how is that balance worked out in the store? Because I know so, we focus on miniature wargaming, but RPGs might actually be the bigger part of that store. Now, so it, it's weird. We really have to like change how we look at gaming, um, 
and what's popular and what's selling. And for that reason, I follow every other game store that I have ever went into. I'll follow them and I'll watch what they do. Um, and I want, I watch what they bring in. I watch what goes out. I watch what they put on their for sale stuff. Um, and one of the big things when we opened is that Sean wanted to focus on Dungeons and Dragons and he brought in 40k because 40k sells it allows us to do other things um so dnd has been our main focus and so that's up front we have a giant wall of miniatures no other place in town does that uh, we have every the single Wiz book Love, yeah the whiz kids miniatures yeah, yeah the, the whiz kids uh, uh pre uh, pre-primed unpainted miniatures uh entire wall of them we keep we get every single miniature that ever comes in from them uh, we have all of the books, all of the cards, all of the uh, starter boxes. We have tokens. We have everything you could think of for D and D that that we can get our hands on. It's there. Um, so we really try and focus on D and D because there wasn't a store that really focused on that. And at that point, D and D was becoming very popular. Um, board games is something that every game store agrees on that you need. Because it gets people, it gets the the Milton Bradleys. The, that's what we call the 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 layman, the people that are interested but have only played like Milton Bradley games. So we call them the Milton Bradleys. Um, they get that gets them in there and lets them see everything else. But board games don't make money. It is one of the lowest selling things in any game store. Um, if you go to a place that only does games, uh, board games, they have something else going on. They usually like, if you go to, there's a store here, that's a cafe, their cafe is what makes money. And when people sit down for hours, you pay $3 an hour for, uh, to play games. They have every game you can think of on the, in the library. That's, that's where they make their money. And then they sell board games on the side. That's their side gig. That's what, you know, that just pays for the extra board games. Um, so we can't focus a lot on board games, but also board games come out a lot and they do take up a, they're bulky, they're, they're big, they're, it's all, it's a game contained in one box. So it does take up a lot of space. So we have a lot of space for board games. Next is uh, the 40k and AOS, anything games workshop. And we have extended, expanded that quite immensely over the last year. Um, but pre-COVID, it was about three shelves. Um, Post-COVID or COVID times, it is now up to six shelves, and I have a hard time stocking it. It is the number one seller in store. Well, um, now let's say hard time stocking it. Is that a supply problem or just per, a demand issue? Like both. It is. Okay. At, so you're decreased supply is, and increased demand. Yeah, it's I'm putting in bigger orders than I've ever put in before, and I have nothing on the shelf to show for it. It's like I look at how much I order and how much is on the shelf, and I'm amazed that I even put in an order. It doesn't look like I put in anything. Well, I thought it was funny. So I stopped by to get some black primer, and um, I saw through the window because I don't I don't go in the store. I just because you have curbside delivery now. Yes. So um, I'll go up to the window and I saw the stack of Cursed Cities. And how many Cursed Cities did you have? I got eight yeah. total. Eight. And you said, you told me you didn't want one, did you? Because I didn't tell you to get one. I decided to pass, but I didn't tell you that I decided to pass on it. But 
out of those eight copies of a $200 game, they were all gone. Like they were already well, spoken for before they even showed up to the store. I have a waiting list. I have a waiting list of three when it once it comes back once it comes back into stock, which it will. Please don't go buy it off of scalpers because it will be reprinted. I just like to reiterate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's just—it's not just Games Workshop. So you also have X-wing. You have some of the Fantasy Flight, Atomic Mass, so MCP. Um, Star Wars Legion, but the Infinity, but those are like small little orbital. So like Games so Workshop now, is the sun. <laughs> and those are small little asteroids floating around it on the shelf. So I have I have a little like little shelf that I put my my stuff in. It's been taken over by Sean's love and obsession of uh BattleTech, which has taken up four of the eight co- uh, cubbies um but yeah i put x-wing in there even though i don't play x-wing it is something that i like to keep in stock i put you know legion uh mcp has its own thing um because that is popular um but actually so all of those have something in common they're all owned by asmity and asmity actually has their own shelf so now now that they have expanded their lines and everything and what they own and control i i kind of keep them in their own separate thing it's not only just board games they have some of the top rated board games and the top selling board games Catan, ticket to ride um all of the arkham series um and they just have a lot of good stuff which i i like i think of board games and then i think of as many games so that's something that has we've added is a whole other selection of Asmodee games, and they do MCP, they do all the Star Wars stuff, they do all the they own everything that's under Fantasy Flight. So think if you think Fantasy Flight, Asmodee has it plus twenty other companies. Um, so they have their own little section as well. Uh, another thing that we've added that has been an, an immense seller uh, is Magic. For the two and a half years, see. When we opened, we didn't care about magic. And every other game store is like, you're going to die because you don't have magic. Magic is what keeps stores open. Well, we lasted two and a half years before the pandemic, not even thinking about magic. We brought in some new stuff, some of the old stuff, whatever. We didn't really, we didn't really care. Well, I remember I could special order it from you. Like your distributor carried it. And if I came in and asked you for like a box, you would get it for me. Yeah, it's not yeah. something like it wasn't the um, what most game stores put it by the cash by the cashier. It's not what we open. have now. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> have every single box that I can get my hands on up front in duplicate, so that you know you you walk by that and you just see magic. You know, you want five packs, so you get five packs of this, or you get one of each pack, and like that wasn't there before we had maybe a box of magic and that has just seen increased revenue throughout this whole last year um so that has actually become our number three seller in the store number one is 40k uh number two is D, and the number three is now magic before it was snacks and drinks and now that snacks and drinks aren't really a thing anymore because we don't have people hanging out, they're not eating, they're not drinking. Um, so now magic has come and destroyed everything and, and is now a mainstay in our rotation of products. Well, let me, let me ask you about that. So 
something you talked about is you had the giant wall of whiz kids uh miniatures there and those are like the five dollar packs mm-hmm. or like the twenty dollar boxes which is actually very affordable um and then you have the snacks now the snacks that was for the people who are in there playing games for like you know six seven hours a day they would constantly go there and buy that stuff and those are those are high margin items right there oh yeah um but for me the whiz kids miniatures were like an impulse buy because even if i stopped in the store and didn't buy anything i'd walk out and i'd say oh look there's a pack of two wolves i need that for ragnarok or zone alpha anyway because they're miniature agnostic i need some wolf models here's some wolf models so five bucks so originally going in the store just to use your Wi-Fi because you have Wi-Fi that um, like a coffee yeah, shop. Yeah. yeah. So I'd go in there and say like, well, on my way out, say, oh, wait, here's a pack of wolves. Let me grab that. And they're like, oh, hey, I want some drawers for Frostgrave. Grab a pack of that. So you turn a zero buy into like a $5 buy. Now with curbside, there's not that impulse buy. So how, how's that wall of kids been doing? Um, so it's kind of changed where it was like, you know, you had players in here for Adventures League and like, let's say the character dies. Well, now it's time to start a new character, roll up new stats. It's like, oh, well, I don't have a miniature for this. Go and buy one. Boom and done. A lot of people coming in. Oh, I need this, this, this for my adventure tonight. I don't care if they're painted. I have the miniatures. Um, now it's, uh, we actually, it's still very popular. Um, people come here, come to the store just for that wall of miniatures. Um, one of the big things I see is people buying a whole bunch of miniatures at a time. Instead of where it was like one or two as like a impulse buy, it's people deliberately coming in with a list of miniatures to buy and then they buy them all at once. So we're not seeing the, the speed that we saw like one, two go but we're seeing more quantity of people buying just bulk. Um, I'd say the sales haven't decreased or increased at all. It's just changed how they're being bought. So one thing I like about the store is you walk in, it's a rectangle shape, you know, snacks out front, bathrooms in the back to show the life cycle of food (laughs) as it works its way through. But um so what you used to do is um, the front is the retail space. So the snacks are up front, the whiz kids as you walk in, there's a big wall of whiz kids on your left. And you used to put this table. So for Tuesday paint nights, there's this table out front. And then there's also adventures leagues or like a lot of open gaming on Tuesday nights. And so one thing the store offered that I really liked, I've never seen another store do is you would go to the cashier and you pay what five bucks, and yeah, so that allows you to use the yeah, and that allows you to use the paint table. So all the paints and all the brushes were free to use, um, and the five dollars you weren't losing. You just you had to spend it in the store. Yeah, so yeah. it was you. You give us five dollars, and we put that five dollars on your store account. So that that guarantees that we get five dollars from you, um, but you get to spend that dollar like. That $5 goes to us in a way, but you can spend it on something else, not the paints. So the paints are everything for free, but it's just like, it's a collateral thing. It's like you give us $5, you can use all of that, but you get that $5 in store credit. So you can just go buy a, one of the miniatures. That, that's well, what it's we a, planned it's on. Your, 
It's your two drink minimum. You're exactly. Rolling in. Yes. So the nice thing about that is, all right, because it's not, it's army painter paints. So you guys don't have an army painter stand, but you bought like the army painter mega paint box. So you have all the, the $200 one. So you have a lot of colors on the color wheel, the washes, the metallics, and you set them there on the table and people squeeze them out. And so I actually took like my daughter's friends there one night and we paint like teaching them to paint. And so I brought like five people in just to like sit around that table um, yeah. and paint their characters for D and D. Um, but what I liked about it is like, if you played D and D, you didn't have to buy your own paint rig. Like you, so five bucks, I could walk over the wall with kids, pick up my models, paint them at this table, go back and play. So you could, you could do that. It wasn't yep. the, Oh, do you want to paint that? Well, those models are only five bucks and here's some primer and some paint brushes that you'll you never use because you only want one guy you only want one guy so See, that, we only cut we only carry citadel as well so, so you know only the best <laughs> so I, I thought that was a really uh clever topic but of course with covid that stopped but one of the things we want to talk about is that um new mexico we're at what 50 vaccination and we are 50% vaccination. Yeah. So we're actually at the point of where I know you and Brian have, I'm sorry, you and Sean have been talking about um, reopening. Like how would you even start to reopen there? So, so what, are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? We have a plan, a outline of what we want to do. Um, it's It involves a bunch of steps before we even think about reopening for play. Um, we really want to play it safe and make sure that not only us, but our clients and patrons are safe. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're taking every precaution uh, in mind and taking our time and not rushing into opening. Um, so the first thing, first step is all of us need to be vaccinated before any of this moves on. Um, and that's not just the employees. We're also waiting for everybody that we are in contact with, like at our house or in our household. So our spouses or our elderly parents, if we live, uh, if we are in contact with them. Um, so we are waiting for everybody to be vaccinated. Um, so far, pretty much everyone is. Uh, I am the last one to be scheduled. Um, which I imagine will be this week and seeing how everybody else is getting it this week as well. Um, but my partner just got theirs uh, scheduled for next week. So it, it's going to be very quick on that end. And then, so the step after that is we're going to be looking at hiring somebody else and then get them trained up. Once they're trained up, we're going to open two days. Uh, we're currently we're open Tuesday through Saturday. With them being trained up, we're going to open seven days a week at our normal hour or our regular hours now, which is noon to seven. And then after that, we will start to see about opening for certain events, maybe twice, three times a week, see if we can do... Um, a small group of things so like i want to do a draft 
for magic, which is eight people. And then if that would that was the thing, that would be the event for the day. The eight people in, eight people out, that's it. Um, so that's our preliminary plan as of right now. Um, of course, as we get to each step, we'll evaluate what's going on, um, talk about how long we want to do things and how long things need to be done and how the store needs to change along the way uh, to accommodate everything like that. So it'll be interesting. So it's, it's, it's a long plan. We're, we're, uh, I don't foresee us having anything um, planned for another four or five months at least. Okay. Oh, and then it'll be, so there's like the slow opening. That's as far as you're gone. And you're not even thinking past that to like, no. you know, like that, what was it? The, the South Park COVID special, like spitting in each other's mouths and yeah. <laughs> brave night at the, at Etten. Like. <laughs> no, we, we, we're, we're not thinking long-term right now. We're, you know, taking it one month at a time. Um, luckily, New Mexico is doing very well, and that is allowing us to um, at least think about it, which is nice. If Albuquerque was doing poorly, we wouldn't even be thinking about it. We would be, you know, staying our course. Um, but we are privileged enough to be thinking about it at least. Um, I know some places in town have already started pl ga uh, gaming. I know I could have gone to uh, a draft earlier today, but no uh, we don't we don't think that's safe we don't think that's uh right we don't we don't we want what's best for everyone and we want everyone to be safe we don't want anybody to get sick uh so we we really are we might be overthinking it but i would rather overthink this than underthink this and ensure safety well so i i think one of the big questions so um i work with a lot of lawyers and so it's what will your insurance tolerate? So I know you're not the owner, so Sean probably deals with the insurance, the policyholder. But I, I can imagine there's. I don't know if this exact situation of a pandemic is covered in your business insurance. If someone ever sought redress from uh, Etten, yeah, <laughs> like you exactly. guys did not follow guidelines. I got sick because of it. Um, you guys breached your guidelines. The insurance holder says, you know what? We're not on the hook for this. We have our pandemic out clause. So you carry the liability. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's, that's, uh, that's exactly it. It's, um, there's a lot of things that we have to think about. And that is definitely one of them is, you know, if something does happen, we could be held accountable. And then, you know, that could mean our closure which does more of a disservice to the community than, you know, being open and, or not being open, not, not playing games. I would rather not play games and be open for people to shop than be open for games and then, you know, get hit with lawsuit and close. Well, you're, so New Mexico has that policy about um, hotspots. And yes. I think that's still in effect. So it, it still is. Many, if we, if too many contract traces get caught to you, you guys are closed for two weeks. Two weeks, and that could yeah. be for a small business. That that could mean death. Um, luckily, we are doing well, um, but two weeks can you know make that different. They, they that can make that go away. 
Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's not just, you know, we, we're, we're trying to play every angle and it's really, you know, we're going to piss off some people, of course, um, because we're being more safe. Um, but, you know, there's only three people that work here currently. Um, and one of them is the owner and he just had a kid and now he's, you know, he's taking time off. Um, so it's really just two people and the store depends on these two people to stay healthy, to open. Um, I mean, if I get sick, I work four days out of the week. That's... Because of the majority of the hours of all the prime business days, there's one person yeah. who covers just a Saturday. So it's it... like, if you go down. <laughs> exactly. Then that's like, it's not just the, like, we have to think about a lot of things. And so we're taking every step as seriously as we can. And we are thinking about every possible outcome and every possible thing that might happen because of it. Um, so our plan is, you know, it's loose, but it's also very, um, I think, thoughtful. And uh, I think we'll get out of this uh, well. I think we'll be um, stronger for it. I think we'll be one of the better game spots in Albuquerque. And I, I think that in two years when our lease is up, I think we'll be able to move into a bigger spot and we'll be able to put COVID and all this behind us. And we'll have one of the best gaming stores in New Mexico, honestly. So I, I think I'll say um, before we close out this segment, we'll move on. But um, I know Sean was talking about getting a bigger space for gaming, like, all of the in right before COVID. It's like, I want to break my lease. I want to get a bigger space, but I need to take out a loan to get it fixed up. And fortunately he did not pull that trigger. <laughs> so like, yes. as the pandemic happened. So, cause to, to invest in gaming space, which is dead space when no one's allowed to game in your store. <laughs> so so I really does that one. It's that's one of the been more interesting things to like, think about and uh, ruminate on is this pandemic at the beginning was really bad for us. And then when it kept going, we realized that we were actually in a very good spot because of it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we were outgrowing the space that we were in. Um, there was a lot of people. We couldn't keep up with the people. People were leaving because of how busy it was. And then they weren't allowed to come in. It was, you know, now we have all this space that we can, that wasn't being used. And at first was, you know, daunting because we have all this empty space, but it wasn't a lot of empty space. It wasn't like another half of a building that we had, that we had to close down because of everything it's a space that we decided to monetize and we built up a huge back, uh, backlog of games that, you know, we've been doing bigger orders. We've been putting in new product lines. We've been really trying to keep up with what people want and people are just spending money on gaming stuff right now. So we've really had to catch up and uh, we've had a chance to expand our product lines and everything in a way that, took up a lot of the space that we couldn't have if COVID wasn't around. Um, 
so although this took a lot out of our identity away uh, as a gaming space, it gave us a chance to figure out what we wanted to identify ourselves as with products as a store and as a retail space. So we've really learned a lot about what we want to do um, in the future. So, you know, for all the bad things that ha that has come with COVID, a lot of good things have come with it as well. Um, that being said, I can't wait to start gaming again. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it does put a malaise in your rule buying. So it's like bought models and bought paint, but I really haven't bought folks on buying rule books or anything because it's like, what's the point? And see, that's actually been the opposite for me. I, I've gotten rid of models and I've gotten more books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, speaking of that, let's do our horizon scan. So, Brian, what? What's the next release that you're looking forward to besides Battletech uh, Wave 2? I'm well, I'm looking forward to that as a in, in the store mind because that's just going to be a money day for me. <laughs> um, there, there'll be a couple things that I grab, but you know, that's just a money day. Um, let's see, there was okay, I am very excited for the new Soul Blight um codex to come out for AOS. Um, I might have mentioned it before, but it, it'll be out soon. And I have a ton of the old metal miniatures from uh, Warhammer Fantasy. And I have a bunch of the newer models as well. So as soon as that drops, I'm going to grab that. And of course, I, I have, I think I have every single, at least a small army of every single death faction in AOS. So, you know, I, I have to get it. Okay. So. I think for right now, I'm holding off on the AOS buys because I'm waiting for that third edition because I noticed the way, kind of like on 40K, the way you know the next edition of the game is coming out is when they release the second Space Marine Codex and then they start doing this like campaign, like monthly campaign releases of like, well, here's the update to this faction in a $30 book. Here's an update to this faction, $30 books. Like, oh, so this is, this is like Cadia Falls. You're about to release a whole bunch of books and rules you want me to buy. And then two months after that, there's a new edition. So I've noticed AOS second edition is moving into this like, and this faction's getting updated and this faction's getting updated and this all in quick succession. So it's like, oh, okay, you guys are about to wrap this up, bring out a third edition. So I'd rather save save on wait for that third edition box set well see here's what i think is that so it's usually a death faction and something else or you know it might be a uh so i think maybe the soul blight is going to be the second half of a box for uh the new edition which would be nice i i doubt it it's probably going to be something like kadron overlords and uh stormcast because it's always going to be well, stormcast it's, it's and always going to be stormcast yeah, gotta, gotta be clear on that. <laughs> so whoever the next big bad guys are after the Broken Realms um, is definitely going to be in the box. So um, I think the Soul Blights are going to come after that'll be the first release of the third edition. Besides the two factions that are in the starter box. So I'm still getting it either way. At least the models, at least. Yeah, at least you'll have those. So I think for me, I am turning back to Kickstarter and there's two Kickstarters I'm waiting for. Cyberpunk Red, 
mm-hmm. from Monster Fight Club. And this is a company I've looked at. I've never pulled the trigger on. It's, I don't know if I could pronounce this right. It's out of the UK, Anthalonica Wargaming. So A-N-T-H-A-L-O-N-I-C-A Wargaming. So yeah, I couldn't um, pronounce it. No. So. <laughs> Um, but they're doing a Kickstarter, Bobbies, Baddies, and Bootnecks. So this is modern wargaming, which you don't do, but they nope. force they focus more on the law enforcement side. But um, they have British, French, SWAT, um, Israeli Border Patrol, um, some mercenary units in there, and it's like um, they're metal, but it comes out to like four bucks a miniature. So you can imagine BattleTech is five bucks a miniature, Games Workshop, best case scenario, eight bucks a miniature up to 35 for like one of the smaller ones uh, up to like 120 for like a single miniature but that'll be big mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> you know they're a small independent company i've got specter operations so i was looking at those and um they just got stuff that's different like specter miniatures makes nice stuff but it's mm-hmm. the regular stuff this is a little bit off book like some smaller groups off to the side but nice. like any kickstarter I'm always leery of it because of I still course. have two. I still have two that are aging, and I haven't gotten anything from them yet. With, uh, <laughs> well, that, that see, that's the problem of uh, doing uh, miniatures because miniatures takes a long time to print, uh, especially well, in large quantities. So, I did uh, one Gangs of the Underhive. So that is, um, it's not Necromunda, but it's like um, Shadowrun tabletop war gaming. So it's like cyberpunk dwarves and elves and fairies battling it out so i thought nice. sure i'll throw it in there so you can see it's taken so long for them to fulfill and it's like my kickstarter thing is like i'm only going to buy the base set i don't like buying the expansions because they had like all these other models that you could buy and tack on what happens as in that case the price of metal changes throughout your fulfillment so they came in there and said, I know we promised a Griffin, but here's the issue. The price of metal has gone up and we can't make it. So we've either got to eat it, we got to give you your money back and we'll still eat it because you know we paid for the designs and some of the molds or we got to make it out of resin. We don't know if we can. So it's like, you know what I bought? The base starter set that they already had tested, printed, <laughs> like package <Yeah>. wars, like... <laughs> But, you know, I'm hoping, like, Cyberpunk Red, that's Monster Fight Club. I think they've got some of their own... Uh, you've started carrying the miniatures in the store now. I have started carrying the miniatures. Yeah, I think I saw the them on the table there. Um, so it's like, they're out of, like, the Charlottesville, Virginia area. So, I mean, I know okay. they've got their own manufacturing. I, I have to drive by them sometimes. But, so, I'll, I'll keep my eyes on Kickstarter, 3rd edition Age of Sigmar. I'll just wait. So... <laughs> It'll be coming out soon. I'm guessing well, in the next like three or four months. I got the uh, SPQR. I got the SPQR revised edition box, so that's going to give me something. I've got to process through. That. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but uh, I think we'll call that a day in the episode. I think so, that works. Well, thank you for joining us at Miniature Wargaming Labs. I'm James. I'm Brian. And we'll see you next time. Bye.